Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. After I offended you, uh, Lions fans, uh, praise God. Can you just pray for me? All right. But hey, we're going we're gonna to just uh, do a one message just to kind of get, get us ready for uh, next week. As, uh, next week is our series that we're starting called uh, Who's On First? And so it's really going to give us an opportunity to cast the net, if you will. But uh, that was really going to be the, the title of my message this morning was Cast the Net to kind of help us understand, help us see, help us uh, know that we've got a job to do. But the more that I started to put my message together and the more that it started to evolve and come together, the message changed and the title of the message changed and it simply is called Count the Cost. Count the cost. And so I want us to really uh, dig deep today. And it's one of those messages that uh, maybe it's not one that's going to really hoop you up and cause you to be swinging from the chandeliers today. But I hope it brings about a reality check for us to really begin to look at some things and ask the question, are we counting the cost? And, uh, you know, as I started to think about this, one of the things that kind of triggered the the thought process was two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Kelly and I, we went to a conference and it was a it was a financial uh, conference or seminar, and in the conference, what they were dealing with or sharing with us was some principles and some tools to help or help a person become financially free or independent. Now, it wasn't just helping you have uh, some tools in your toolbox to help you learn how to manage money, which that's good, but how do you get free, independent, and get yourself in a position that you don't have to work for money, but you got money working for yourself? Does that make sense? A wonderful conference, but here's one of the things that they said. They said only 2% of the population applies these kinds of principles to their life so that they can find themselves being financially free. So think about that. Only 2% of the population plans for the future. So in other words, 98% of everybody is living for the moment when it comes to finances. And isn't that the truth? You know, most of us make money and think we make money so that we can spend money, right? And all the women said, yes, praise the Lord. You know? But again, I'm talking about this, this idea of preparing for the future, of counting the cost. And it made me think of this scripture, uh, just the very end of it, how, how sometimes we can take scripture out of context. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Now, verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles are enough for today. And I think that's how we live life. You know, it's like, why worry about tomorrow? I mean, I've got enough to deal with today. I mean, I just got to deal with today. I'm living for today. I'm getting through today, let alone thinking about planning for the future. But obviously, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was saying, listen, there's an aspect of prioritizing life, counting the cost. And obviously, every day, don't worry about the future. Don't 
get into fear about it. He said, but there is some preparation. But again, I started to think about just how we as people live our lives and really how we don't necessarily count the cost. And I thought about this. Why worry about tomorrow? You know, you go into the doctor's office and the doctor says to you, you know, you've got some heart issues and it's really important that you lose some weight. And so we like, well, praise the Lord, you know, the doctor said I got to lose some weight. My heart's not really that healthy. But man, I like my fried food, man. I, I like my fast food. I like to eat the junk that I like to eat. And so even though we know we need to plan for the future, man, I just like my Twinkie today. You know what I mean? Or, you know, you hear the doctor. The doctor says, hey, listen, we did some blood, blood work on you. And concerning the blood work, you're kind of pre-diabetic. And listen, the way that this is leaning is that if you don't get your diet under control, cut back on the sweets. And did you know that they can take blood tests that shows you the past five months of your life as to the, the levels of sugar that you've had? So you can lie to them and say, this, this last week, man, I did wonderful. I didn't even eat a sweet thing, but they can do the blood test. Today. But yeah, but the last five months, you've been just pigging out on sweet stuff, right? And so my point is this, is that the doctor says, you've got to start planning for the future. You've got to start looking down the road. You've got to start counting the cost. But man, I'm telling you, when those brownies with the vanilla ice cream are screaming at you at 1130 at night, whew, it's not so easy to count the cost, is it? Come on, am I the only one that struggles at times? Again, we know that we've got a purpose to do some things about the future, but, man, I'm living in the moment. You know, we go to the doctor, you know, something's been going on in the chest, you know, and the doctor says you got some COPD, you know, and it'd probably be a good idea you start smoking. And you're like, yeah, I know. I've been trying to quit for the last I don't know how long. But, man, you don't know how stressed out I am right now. I just need some smokes right now. I'll do it next week, but right now. Right now I just need, you know, whew. You know what I'm talking about? Again, I'm not getting on a soapbox. I'm just saying we have all kinds of things in our lives that we know we need to plan, project, prioritize, count the cost for down the road, but oftentimes we're just living in the moment. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? And for that matter, we go to work. I know you all have gotten disciplined with your life, and you're like good employees. You get up every day, go to work. You do it from Monday to Friday, and you're just faithful at it. And, you know, you pat yourself on the back. But, you know, most people don't go to work day after day after day for the sake of planning for their future. They're really living and seeing short term. Why? Because I got to put a roof over my head, and I got to put food in the cupboard. And that's why I go to work. If I had to do it elsewise... I wouldn't be so diligent to go to work every day, right? You know, I mean, like pastors, you know, we just work one day a week. I mean, you know, so, right? No. <laughs> That's what everybody thinks. But nevertheless, if that were the case, everybody would be a pastor, right? No. All right. So, again, we're purposing to count the cost. And so when we see what Jesus is telling us here, he's actually telling us, to plan for the future, that there is a cost, and when we make an, a decision of priority today, it affects our future. It affects our future in the decisions that we make. You know, Martin Luther King, he was an individual that had to make a choice to count the cost. And there was a time when God was 
moving in his life to shake up the scenery, to shake up the landscape because of what was going on in the nation. And you realize that back then when he had a platform or he was using his voice for political and social injustice, it was not popular. I mean, it's the popular thing now. Everybody's on that bandwagon. But then you have other groups that they get on the, 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 the soapbox of righteousness and values and morals. That's not the popular thing today, right? And so we see him making some decisions that were not popular, but knew that there was a, a, a call and a purpose, an issue of priority about his life. And even in the midst of the decisions that he made to use his voice to have a platform to speak into the lives of people, he knew that upon doing so, it could cost him his life. And it obviously did. And so when it comes to you and I, are we counting the cost? And so as I've been preparing for this message and as God just began to kind of redirect my heart, I'm asking myself the question, what do we need to hear in this hour? What do we need to hear in this day? And it's not necessarily popular. It's not something that we necessarily like to hear. It's not politically correct. What we need to hear is not a message of tolerance and inclusion. But it is a message of love. And how many of you know that love is not always something that makes you feel good? You know what I'm saying? There's times that I have to love my children And they don't necessarily like the way that I'm loving them right now. But because I'm a parent and I'm trying to establish priorities and disciplines within their life so that they can establish priorities, sometimes my love isn't so enjoyable on their their end. Does that make sense? And so, what we need to hear in this message of love is that Jesus is coming soon. And you say, that's not too bad right now. That sounds pretty good. Well, hold on. See, Jesus is coming very soon. He said that you'll know signs that point to my coming, and it's important that you're ready at my coming. Because he says, I come like a thief in the night. He says, when I come, no man knows the hour or the time. And he says, so now be prepared Be alert, be attentive, so that when I do come, you're a part of my receiving of my family. I want to bring to your attention over here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 3 and 4. And it really speaks to the times that we're living in, but this, this is speaking really prophetically as to the hour that we're living in. It says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenge them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires to support their errors that they hold. 
and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. Is that not the hour that we're living in today? And he says, men will have, another translation says that they will have itchy ears to hear what they want to hear. So nobody likes to hear a stern message of correction, do they? Because, man, I just want you to preach a message that makes me feel good. I want you to preach a message that makes me leave here thinking, man, everything is good and I'm doing okay. But God says that there is a message of love and the message of love is that I'm coming. But are we ready? Have we prepared? When he comes, will we recognize the hour and the time that he comes? The Bible tells us over in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isn't, again, that the hour that we're living in? Where that which is good, they call evil. And that which is evil, they call good. And that which is in darkness, they call it light. And that which is light, they call darkness. I'll give you an example. Just as I was opening up my computer this morning and reading some of the news, I saw something that caught my attention. Now, you remember last year or the year before, I don't know exactly the time frame, but it's been in recent history. There were some individuals in the NFL that made some decisions that they are going to protest some political decisions of our government by kneeling at the Pledge of Allegiance. They said, we're making a political statement in choosing to dishonor what represents our flag. Now, again, you might think otherwise, but I think it is so disrespectful and dishonoring to the men and the women that have given their life for our freedoms. You can protest a whole lot of different ways, but again, I, personally, I just think it is disrespectful to kneel to make a statement. But they were championed like heroes. Now, the news headline said that there was a New York, or excuse me, a New, New Orleans Saints NFL player that was fined for wearing a headband that said, Man of God. I said we're living in a day where that which is evil they call good and that which is good they call evil. And he said these are the signs, these are the times that you know that I'm coming. Jesus is coming. And we need to know. We need to be ready. We need to be alert. Amen. Jesus wants us to know this. He wants us to understand but oftentimes we'll ask the question when it comes to rubber meeting the road preaching. We say, well, does the Bible really say that? Come on now, it was written by man. Does it really mean what it means? Does it really say what it says? But the thing is, is that if we de deny the text of the context, all you're left with is a con. I'll say that again. If you deny the text of the context of the scripture, the only thing that you're left with is a con. And there are many people that are buying into the con that says, you know what, when it comes to the scripture, it is not God speaking to us. It's man-made opinions and ideas. 
If that's the case, then how do you know heaven's real? If that's the case, then why are we doing this? If that's the case, then come on, guys, let's go fishing and, and not do this church thing. Even though, man, they sing really good up here. And we feel good. But listen, let's not get emotional about it. Let's not just get bought into the emotions. Man, let's just go have fun. Because, you know, we can't take any of this for face value, right? Jesus is coming. And as I said, this is not a popular discussion in nowadays concerning what it represents. And I'm afraid that there are many that have fallen into or fallen subject to the con. And so, as I'm preparing and as I'm asking myself the question, God, what do we need to hear? What is the message of the hour? Not just that Jesus is coming, but God, in preparing for your coming, what do we need to hear? And I'm telling you, there is a concern that I have as a pastor that all that we do to help people come to know Jesus as we prepare services for people to come and have an experience with Him, I'm still concerned that there are people sitting in churches today that are going to hell. And I want you to hear me because I don't say that as a scare tactic. I don't say that to be a bully. I'm simply saying I believe that within the body of Christ, sitting in the chairs, you might even say I attend church more than once a, once a month. I'm one of the faithful two attenders. Woohoo! But I believe that there are people that think they're going to heaven but will miss his coming because they're deceived. It's not a loving thing to be politically correct. It's not love to say, hey, listen, everything's good. You come to church, oh, that's wonderful. You pray to prayer, oh, that's wonderful. Do you realize that the Bible doesn't say just praying a prayer gets you to heaven? Just going through the motions don't get you to heaven. Just attending a church doesn't get you to heaven. And so it doesn't matter if we just simply say yes to Jesus, but yet our lives don't reflect it. You see, I'm not just talking about a momentary thing. I'm talking about eternity. I said, I'm talking about eternity. And I realized that this message, you might be sitting there thinking right now, is he talking to me? Has he got the audacity to say, I may not be making it to heaven? Listen, it's because I care about you, because I love you, that I'm willing to step out on the edge and make some statements that might offend you. And I realized that making these kind of statements not based on opinion, but based upon the scripture, and we'll look at it here in a moment, that next week you all might decide to go somewhere else. And you know what? If nobody showed up next week to church, I would have a good conscience knowing that, God, I told them that they need to get ready and be ready and know that they're ready because you're coming soon. Amen? In Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, it says, now this is Jesus speaking. Now I want you to understand before I read this here, 
If you would just take the time to go to the four Gospels and read, if you've got a red-letter Bible, just read the red letters. Because if you just read the red letters in the New Testament, the red letters are the words that Jesus spoke. You might find out that Jesus is not so passive as we thought. You might actually find that he's pretty strong, that he's pretty confrontational, that he's pretty up in your business because he loves you. And what I'm getting ready to read you right now is Jesus speaking to us. Notice what he says here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you pra- those, those of you who practice iniquity or lawlessness. Did you hear what Jesus said? He said, the day that I come, there will be those that say, Lord, did we not go to church? Did I not pay my tithe? Did I not teach a Sunday school class? God, didn't I show up every once in a while? Didn't I give to the building fund? And he'll say, listen, I'm going to still tell you, I don't know you. Because your life wasn't about just the periodic things that you did. It was the condition of your heart and the priorities that you set. He said, because you practiced lawlessness, or really your heart and your life or your lifestyle was not that that made me a priority of your life. Are we doing okay this morning? I know this is... A sobering message, but like I said, it's because I love you. And we're talking about getting ready for this next series called, Who's On First? And obviously, you just know in the title, I'm asking the question, Who's On First? And there's people that you know that you need to be asking those questions, Who's On First? The very fact that he says to us here, in that day, there will be those that say, Didn't we know you? And he says, no. So clearly there are people that are deceived thinking that they're going to heaven and they are not. Clearly there are people that are doing the Christian looking thing but are not right in their heart towards God and will miss his coming. And there are too many people, maybe in this church, that you won't figure it out until it's too late. Because he wants you to know that he wants to be a priority in your life. And this is where the rubber meets the road because once again, many people will think, I thought God was a God of love. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. People will say, how can God send people to hell for eternity, for judgment, for damnation? He's never sent one of his It's those that refused to follow him, that rejected him, 
that say, God, I'm not going to give you all that I am. And he said, it's because people have made a choice that they've chose the destiny. He's never sent no one nor condemned no one to hell. It was a person's choice. Concerning the word of God, the Bible tells us from cover to cover that it's a book about turning to God. It's about repenting. It's about getting our hearts right with God. As I said, as you look at the scripture concerning Jesus, you'll find out that Jesus was not a people pleaser. Right? Like I said, he was pretty in, in your face. It's not like church nowadays where we say, hey, listen, don't miss next week because we got some awesome things and you don't want to miss out next week. Right? Oh, hey, listen, you don't want to miss next week because we got the state-of-the-art technology for your kids and we're going to entertain your kids so that they want to come back to church. That we're going to do X, Y, and Z. That we have great social clubs for you to come and hang out together. No. Jesus told it the way that it was. Jesus didn't mix words. And Jesus certainly did not beg people to follow him. And isn't that what we do in today's modern church? We, we get up here and we beg people, come on, come back to church. Come on, serve. Come on, let's love people. Come on, let's, let's give. Come on, let's invite people to church as though it's some duty and some chore. But when we have a heart to love God, we just have a desire to serve Him. Amen? We don't have to be compelled. We don't have to be begged. And here's a question that I have for you. If just in the moment, if you had the opportunity that there were a thousand people standing in front of you and they said, listen, we're going to give you a microphone and we want to give you the opportunity to speak into the lives of these thousand people, whatever you have in your heart, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to speak, what will you say? Would you have anything to say? Would you be afraid of what people might say about you? But we see in the scripture here, in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25, it says, So a great multitude went with him, speaking of Jesus. So the great multitude, a multitude represents about a thousand people. So a great multitude tells us that there had to be multiple thousands of people that desired to be with Jesus. And it says upon this, now a great multitude went with him and he turned and said to them, Now, again, Jesus don't mix words. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, and his children, his brother and his sister, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What's Jesus saying? Is he saying you've got to hate Somebody, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, as much as you love your husband, your wife, as much as you love your kids, as much as you love your family, you need to love me more. As much as you put put your children as a priority in your life, you need to put me as a priority over your children. And if I'm not the priority... You can't be a disciple. 
Come on, we've been so accustomed to say, come on, just pray the prayer. Come on, just pray the prayer with me. Come on, anybody in here, raise your hand and just repeat these words. And we think if we repeat words, it's going to get our eternity set in heaven. But he's saying, if you will make me a priority, if you will make me the priority in your life, that's how you know you're going to heaven. But if I'm not the priority, you cannot be my disciples. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. And you're saying, well, you're getting awful bold, Pastor. No, this is Jesus talking. Come on. I said, if you love your kids, let me ask you the question. How much do you love your kids? And I love my kids with everything that I have within me. But I also love my kids so much so that I refuse and will not ever be settled or satisfied knowing that my kids are going to hell. The Bible says, train up a child in the ways of the Lord and they'll not depart from them as they get older. The only way that you assure your children have a priority for God in their life is if you as a parent have a set discourse of discipline structure to teach them how to know Jesus. And I know I'm saying something that might offend you and if you don't come back next week, then I'm sorry. But we're so afraid to offend our kids Oh, I want little Bobby to be able to make his own decision to serve God when he gets old enough to make the decision. If you don't have them in church, if you do not help them set a discourse of uh, discipline within their life to know how to know God, they will never know God as they get older. Why? Because it was not important enough to you as a parent to show them the love of God. But I love my kids. Shut up! Quit lying! I don't know where the heck that came from, but it came up on the inside of me. We say we love our kids. Don't tell me you love your kids if you're leaving them to go to hell. God loves us so much. He has such an awesome life. I know that it's not easy at times. He says, listen, if you'll take up your cross and follow me, what does that mean? That means that there's going to be hard times. It's not always easy serving Jesus. I know it. But God gives you the strength. He gives you the ability. He gives you the power of the Holy Spirit that says, in Christ we can do all things through him who strengthens us. Oh, listen, I know. I know it's not easy. To always put God as a priority in our life. But listen. He wants to know us. Jesus says I want you to count the cost. I'm not interested in your lip service. He's not interested in making it easy. He's saying will you follow me? Listen, I'm still reeling over what I just said. Because I know that I was real strong when I said it. And like I said, I wasn't intending on saying it that way. It just came up. And I hope you hear me from a pastor's heart that I say it in love. Not to be condemning. Not to call you a liar. Are you hearing my heart? I love your kids. I love them. 
And I know you love your kids more than I could even begin to imagine that I love them. But God loves them even more. Jesus is simply asking, are you willing and obedient? Let me finish up with this. In Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 31. This is just a little bit further than the verses that we were reading. Jesus goes on to say, he says, What king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and count whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Let's stop for a moment. Here's what Jesus is saying. He says, when you come and serve me, you've got to count the cost. Because those that are apart from me are more than us. And when you choose to take a stand to follow me, the odds are going to be against you. But I've got your back. But are you willing to count the cost that when it seems impossible, you can still stand strong and say, God, I know that it's putting a priority in my life. You as the headship of my Lord, as my Lord, we've got this. It goes on to say, in verse 32, or else, while the other is still in a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciples. He says, count the cost. So here's what Jesus is saying. He kept saying, he says, unless you follow me, you can't be my disciples. And so here's what he gets to and comes to a conclusion in saying, listen, before you make a decision to follow me, count the cost. Count the cost before you choose to follow me because it is not lip service. It's going to be a life of faith. It's going to be a life of coming against opposition. But choose. And then he closes by saying this. It's interesting how he says it. He says, verse 34, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It neither fits, is fit for the land, nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ear to hear, let him hear. It's interesting that Jesus winds that conversation up by talking about salt. He's been talking about following him. And then he says, now, if salt has lost its flavor, it's not good for nothing. He that he has, he has ear to hear, let him hear. I got this illustration. The Bible says, many are called and few are chosen not because of God's select few but it's because few will choose to step up and follow him I realize that a church can be grown if we just give everybody what they want to hear but I'm not concerned about growing a large church without growing the people of the church because you can have thousands of people in your church and every single one of them going to hell. 
Or you can have people fewer in number that say, God, we will follow you and give you our lives. There's two representations here of salt. A little salt packet and a container. Notice what Jesus said. He says, when the salt has lost its season, it's not good for the ground. He said, it's not even good for the manure pile. The ground grows and produces, but the salt's no good for it. Now, the manure helps fertilize the ground to produce fruit out of it, but unseasoned salt isn't even good for the manure pile. So it's like this. you got a, a pile of manure right here. And you're standing in the middle of the manure pile. And Jesus says, get off my manure pile. You're ruining it. And I don't know about you. Just a small amount that came out. I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody that is recognized by God and can be seen. Even if it's seen in the midst of a few, I want to say, God, I gave you my kids. I gave you my life. I gave you everything, and I chose to follow you, to give you my life, to lay down my life, to to take up my cross. Versus those that just live life doing what they want to do, continuing to live their own life, going to church on occasion, thinking that they're okay. All the while, they've just followed having no shepherd. They've just been sheep being astray. When he comes, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Can we stand? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, I'm assuming that many of you in here have made decisions to follow Jesus. You've prayed a prayer. You went through the motions. But this is a new day of accountability. As we go into next week, we're going to be talking about who's on first. And so I want to ask you the question right now. I don't care whether or not you've prayed a prayer. I want you to be so bold and so determined, regardless who sees you, who knows you, who thinks twice about you. But if you're in this place, and you say, today I'm making a choice to put Jesus as a priority of my life. In fact, everybody look at me. I'm not going to give you an escape. So everybody look around. So here's the question ready to be all in? Who's ready to take up your cross? Who's ready to follow Jesus and make him the priority? If that's you, would you raise your hand? 
listen to me. If you didn't put your hand up, that's okay. If you're not ready, that's okay. If you put your hand up because there were too many around you that had their hands up and you didn't want to be the one not raising your hand, then I pray that you come to that place of truly making that decision. But will you pray this prayer with me? Because God's doing some things. We're making room. He's changing the course and the direction of this church. And when I say the church, we are the church. Will you pray this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I make a choice today to surrender my life entirely. I give it to you. I lay down my life. I take up my cross. And I will follow you from this day forward. I thank you for strength, the help of the Holy Spirit, the grace to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life